0: theme song for the gear podcast ah. uncle leon what do you reckon about this knee right here you like it
1: i bloody love it mate it's uh, a an
0: assertion of dominance yep knees up it's uh what is it now 37 degrees 36 degrees That's celsius kids uh 36 degrees uh celsius 37 degrees celsius in beautiful morley western australia uncle leon how you feeling you got shorts on or jeans on today
1: would you believe, Troy? I'm wearing jeans? Oh, my because God It is also thirty seven degrees here, and the air conditioning's on. So first world privileges engaged right now, mate. We nice can do this podcast in absolute comfort. thanks to all our fantastic viewers and subscribers. Thanks to everybody who's been enjoying the pod and listening on their favorite platform and on youtube. it's It's nice to know that our often incoherent rambling is received by, at least some people. And I think today's sponsor, NordVPN. No, I'm kidding. It's just one into- Ah uh, Mate, I was chatting to someone yesterday about Dream sponsorships, mm-hmm. a shampoo sponsor. Oh, yeah. I'm just putting that out there. If there's anyone with any hookups for you know, hair care products or shampoos or conditioners, Come and chat to the Gear Podcast. We would love to shill your products on here.
0: Honestly, man, I mean, I don't know if it's if I should say this or not, but I am still on. Every time I move away from it, it gets worse. I'm on the head and shoulders.
1: it, just, it ain't fancy, hey, but it's cheap, mate. It ain't fancy, but it's
0: it stops that dandruff, and um, yeah, I just get it and I get an itchy head. So I'm, st- but I still use the Moroccan oil.
1: There like, you go. I think we spoke Hard about it tested. a little bit.
0: Yep. It's um it really makes a difference. My sister got me this cool lotion stuff for christmas maybe two years ago and i ran out of that i really liked that but um at the
1: moment all i yeah. got going is the morocco i've got oil. one of those leave-in conditioners that when i remember mm. is pretty nice yep you know well, but the itchy head you know oh, there was someone good. who got who got a little bit upset that we were talking about maybe washing our hair how often do you wash your hair troy oh it's at least a week yeah, minimum, that's fine. Minimum
0: week, yeah. um, up to two weeks, depending on how lazy I'm. Which I know is very gross, but also, I don't like overwashing is it. it. It's um, it's not good to wash your hair every day. People like when you got long hair, like the, you get rid of all those natural oils. So it's two weeks is probably pu- probably pushing it. I need to wash my hair at the moment. It's been about a week and a bit, um,
1: but yeah, it's coming probably tonight. I'll do a it varies, gym session. You know, yeah. in summer you're sweating more, or you're going to the gym more. You know. The scalp needs love as much as the follicles do, so yep. yeah, it's. I'm sure just one day it'll all just be off, and we'll just you know bar a soap to the entire body. The day I, I that do envy that about someone like the aerodynamic John Brown, <laughs> where you know the the maintenance required is considerably less.
0: The day that I lose my hair is the day this becomes an audio only podcast. Personally, yeah. it's like it's probably the most self conscious thing. It's the only thing I'm known for is having long hair. Um, I just got- start that
1: Halford tribute.
0: <laughs> I can't sing like that. I could- um, right, But
1: but you've got long hair. Who did I see? So, maybe that's why. ingve has got a wig, right? It would have to be, hey. Like
0: Michelangelo, that's pretty well document-
1: documented he's got a wig. Is that right? Hey, and no shame. No. You know, like there's no shame in wearing a wig. But, yeah, like Michelangelo, his hair has been pretty consistent for about 30 years. Yep. So- I would say that's definitely the wig, mm-hmm. and you know it's 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 sort of it's just bare. Yep. You know what I mean? So yeah, look, mad props to people who who just kind of get on with it, like Paul Gilbert just cut his hair. Yep. Can still play guitar as good. Oh, as so good as when he
0: was. On Paul Gilbert, just as I was waiting to start this podcast, um, this video came up for me. It was uh, Paul, I'll just the title is Paul Gilbert 1992 Dimarzio interview. So oh. it just made me laugh. It's from fi- like, it was put online 15 years ago. But I firstly, love
1: that era of uploads.
0: Yeah. I'm, like, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it's just like someone from Damasio goes to Paul's house and he just, he's answering the door. He's holding that um, RG770, I think it is, with a stick. I've seen this. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. It's like in his, in the house Mr. Big bought, basically. Yeah.
0: And, but it's so funny because, firstly, it's like if you took Leon Todd circa like mid being in, in his mid-twenties and like also Cam uh, and shoved him into one person. It's very similar. Like, yeah, that, that really made me laugh. But he's walking the, the person through this house and he's just like, uh, so it's 1992. So I think Paul would have been 25, 26. He's got like pterodactyl skeletons hanging from the ceiling, <laughs> which is like, it's just really funny. Like I could imagine doing that. I could imagine Bill doing that. Like I'm surprised walking yeah. around your place. There's not like just, you know, etc. Et But um, anyway, it's
1: so funny, like rather than get into heroin or, you know, wild orgies, Paul's just like, yeah, pterodactyl skeletons. That's what I want in my house.
0: The other thing I really liked is there's a shot of a coffee table or or like his TV and there's just a stack of VHS tapes and the very top tape is, I believe, the King's X music video collection on VHS.
1: Oh, really? I, and, and I How know that, that
0: because I have the exact same VHS. I'm looking at it right now. It's on It's on the shelf in my studio and it looked the same on the side. So, it was definitely a King's X VHS. Pretty sure that's the one it was. So, very good. You can watch that one later.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I'm just going to dial it up so I remember. I've been on a bit okay, of okay, a- with Demaz- Yeah, I've definitely seen this. I reckon I watched it 15 years ago. Yeah. Me too. Oh
0: man. Cuz I watched everything Paul Gilbert back then. I used to download everything off LimeWire. Every, every anything I could. Like we've spoken about that. Intense Rock 1, Intense Rock 2, all of those all those via, uh, all those um instructional videos, man.
1: Just life-changing. Man, the resemblance is act- like Paul Gilbert 1992 and me yeah. like 2007. The resemblance is uncanny. It's, it's really the funny. same hair. Yeah, it's the exact it's the same, same hair. eyebrows and like he has his eyebrows though. Yeah, exactly. Once again, Leon That's shaved a, his
0: eyebrows when he was in his early twenties. So, <laughs> yeah, because it was a social experiment. Also, didn't drink you coffee know, th- for like two years or something, didn't you? You
1: fucking idiot! More than that, yeah. Uh, the first first two American tours we did, I just wasn't drinking coffee and yep. thinking, "Gee, touring's rather labour intensive and challenging at times." Why am I cranky with everyone, including myself? And then the end of the twenty thirteen tour. Remember Coffee Bean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. We went there and I was like, you know what? I'm just doing it. Cam, I'm um, having what you're having, which was like a triple shot, oversized vanilla latte. And it was like the Ooh. greatest thing I'd ever had in my life. And we all did it. And then we had to go, we had to go to a pharmacy to pick something up. I forget what it was. And I just remember feeling like I was on speed. <laughs> like I was just like, Terminatoring around this store, getting so agitated with everybody, and then being like, Oh, yeah, it's probably because I haven't had a coffee for you know a long time. What happened was the very first travel gig we ever did, uh, pre Ragdoll being called Ragdoll when we were still at Five Piece, <clears throat> we played uh, the One Decla races on Australia Day 2010, 10, maybe, yeah. And I think what I did was I just woke up in the morning, had a coffee, got in the car, Ryan and I drove down there, so three or four hours, and I just, like, crashed mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Like, we had to set up really early, and, you know, there was nothing to do. All I remember is some random drunk dude came up and was like, mate, you used to play any Rage Against the Machine? I was like, no, nah, we don't. He's like, Battle of Los Angeles, greatest album ever. Ever <laughs> recorded like that so distinctly. And I was like, i got to go and have a lay down. And I remember like just trying to fall asleep in the car at like four in the afternoon in summer in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't have a very good time. And, and you blamed it, I was like, yeah, I- yeah, blamed it on the coffee. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I blamed it just- on the coffee. Yeah. Probably looking back, maybe just unrelated, unrelated things. But yeah, I stopped for a long time. Just quickly, and, uh, yeah. what's wrong with me? Why did I do that? Well, you got back
0: on the wagon. It's okay.
1: Uh, huh. before we actually back talk about off the wagon, mate. Some- <laughs> off the wagon? Yeah. Off the wagon. On the wagon? I'm back on it in a big way. I'm, I'm yeah. look, not stepping off unless it's one of those hey, Zach Wilde, don't drink alcohol ever again or you'll <laughs> die. I like how he was just like, cool. I've built this persona around being like a beer drinking Hellraiser. I'll just really get into coffee. There you go. From one to another. Zach Wilde, hey, really quickly. Zach Wilde when we were kids. Yeah. Like the the guitar world persona was scary guy who'll bash you. Yep. And now it's like wholesome dad.
0: Yeah. I also got that from Kerry King. For some reason, Kerry King really intimidated me.
1: Yeah. Like everything. And um, Mick Thompson from Slipknot. Yeah, Yeah. It was sort of like, wow, the way these magazines write these guys up seems like you do not want to run into them. And then you just watch interviews with them and you're like, Oh okay so you're you're men over the age of 40 who have hobbies outside of guitar. Yep. I can feel that. Like Kerry King probably has like a wicked smoker in his backyard. Oh, he would love it. Like the best of all of that is George Corpse grinder
0: Fisher from um oh, Corpse who is the just the nicest man. Like the uh, just loves to do the um what are they the claw games? and just get yep. stuffed animals and just give them away to people. He just has what appears to be a lovely family. He just loves his life and he just sings in a death, death metal band. Like, what and, a way I to I mean, live. do you
1: remember hearing Cannibal Corpse for the first time? Yeah. I just pl- being like, I play ham- if I listen to this, I'll probably end up going to jail.
0: Yeah. I play hammer Smash face to people sometimes just as a joke. I, I don't think he sang on that, but it's, um, yeah, it's still just a, a, like a nice confronting thing to, um, to show people. I remember there was a kid in, that I went to school with that we were on the computers and he was just like, Oh, you want to see something really, really fucked up? And I was like, okay. And so he just brings up the album covers for like all the Cannibal Corp stuff, and he's like, oh, this stuff's like usually banned. You can't like,
1: you can't. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> <just> that funny? <laughs> look and at and this. And it's like, hey, computers. bro, you want to see? Have you heard of cattle decapitation? And like, have you seen the Humanure album? Oh, are you asking me? Sorry. No. Yeah. No. I, uh, in your own time, mm-hmm. look it up. It's. It's the funniest death metal album cover I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. So, there I you just, go. I just remember- uh, Don't judge a book by its cover, kids.
0: I just remember, like, meanwhile, he's doing this. I was looking at pictures of the Marshall, like, MG50 or something, or 150. And, like, whatever was the 2x12 Marshall MG. This is 2004. And being like, oh, like 2003 probably. Yeah, this is like my dream amp, you know? Because um, it had effects built into it, and I thought that was like so much better. Like I had this period for a long time where I thought, "Why would you ever need a reverb pedal? That's so dumb. Why
1: don't you just have an amp with a reverb on it?" To quote my dad when I was about fourteen, while he was showing me his Korg AX100G, <laughs> where he had named all the patches in very Bill fashion, uh, which I just thought was not like it was normal to. I'm. This is a funny thing. Naming, being rude in your preset names on your modeler, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't do it because, you know, I have a uh, wholesome public facing persona, but it's (laughs) like, have you ever just done that? Just named your scenes, just ridiculous things? Yeah. But the thing is like, I never remember what they are. Like they have to, they have to be the thing. They have to be really clearly
0: labeled. Otherwise it's like, oh, this one says fuck. This one says poo. Like, what does that mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah. What does it do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a funny thing. But I remember him, like, showing me, like, a flanger sound on there or something. He's like, why would you buy a flanger pedal? It only does flanger. Look at what <laughs> this can do. And then I remember reading a rig rundown where one of the guitar players from Shadows Fall used that same Korg multi-effects. Oh, right. And I was like, see, my dad was right. <laughs> Bill, tick. Does yeah, he ever exactly. watch this? He- does he watch this podcast? Probably not, but he definitely watches my channel Yeah, that's
0: surprising, like... You know, there's just an hour and a half of an hour, hour and a half of his son talking about guitars.
1: Like you think you'd be. All it's over too that. much even for him. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, anyway, we, we're, Sorry, we're, everybody. we've had our we've we've had our fun, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into the topic for today's video. Yeah. Which we caught up on the weekend, by some... the way. And like we've already been through this days ago. <laughs> it's, so it's all old hat. Anyway, go on. Sorry, Uncle Ian, I can't help myself. How do you make your model allowed, Troy? Oh, I'm talking about you, me me right personally
0: now. well let me let me see the modeler that I use the most these days is an HX stomp probably and most of the time I plug it into a powered uh, some sort of powered system uh, either either it's a couple of Mackie thump speakers, I think they're thumps. Uh, for front of house and then a little Behringer foldback speaker, 12-inch foldback speaker that I paid $150 for, that might be broken. So, that's how- So, a big budget
1: solution is what you're saying.
0: That's how I usually plug in my modeler. What about you, Uncle Leon?
1: Well, depending on the gig, Troy, often it's straight to a mixer and then uh, we have like a Yamaha PA, Mm -hmm. but recently I've been using the Red Sound guitar, FRFRs. is that the As one a that vocal w- PA?
0: Oh, okay, yeah, because I was talking about that with someone last night, and I was like, yep. "Oh, I didn't know what that." I, he mentioned that. He just said read something. I was like, "No, I don't know what that is," but no, I do know what that yeah,
1: is. Yeah, so basically, and if it's a ragdoll gig and we're playing in a room that has a PA, I don't bring anything. I just play straight into the PA, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm incredibly lazy, and it works for me. So, having said that, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's, I was, I've been. I've mentioned to a few people recently and I know you've been doing it where it's like, you know, gigging with a guitar cabinet, is kind of fun, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm, I'm also in that mood of like, well, maybe I'll get a one by 12 or something and just, you know, just for fun. But yep. the, yeah, the little red sound FRFR is awesome for when I, and especially for rehearsals, you know, when yep. you, <laughs> you know, when you have to go to a room and actually not play through a PA, that's when you need a yep. solution. But I guess, I'm going to recap my history of making modelers loud. So, I got an Axe FX Ultra in 2016, your I, old one. I know. I bought that in
0: 2011. I well, Okay, we'll come back to me with that one and you can yeah. do You bought that
1: in 2016 and immediately dropped 2016, it. 2016, immediately dropped it, ruined one of the uh, the rack ears on there, but that's a story for another time. And I the first gig I did with it ran into the effects return of a DSL. Mm-hmm did a bunch of gigs like that. I think I might've done one gig where I ran into the effects return of my Recto, but tube power amp. Mm-hmm. Then I got a matrix power amp and that was pretty cool. And I'd use one side of that in mono. This is the AX8 days. We used to call it the uh, the monoblock setup where <laughs> we'd do a gig where we'd put Ryan's 1x15 mark bass cab behind the drums <laughs> and then my little Ampeg 1x12 on top of it. Yep. And then the Matrix power amp would power bass and guitar. And then I got an Atomic CLR and then the Red Sound stuff. So that was sort of, well, you know, actually we moved over to in So having amps on stage wasn't a thing yep. anymore. But yeah, the more and more stuff I've done, it's like, yeah, maybe having amps on stage is, you know, carrying around a subwoofer mm-hmm. or carrying around a bass cabinet, what's easier? That's yep. basically the... The, the the devil's bargain with that kind of thing when you're doing the gigs that we do. So, mm. yeah, that's kind of what I've been using.
0: I guess, like, just for context, so I, I uh, this was just a little idea that I wanted to discuss because it, it does come up a lot. It comes up a lot in my uh, – in the stuff that I do. Like, how how am I going to run a rig? How am I going to move my equipment around? Um, and, yeah, speaking to someone last night, we were just going through different um, – well, with an FM9, just trying to work out um, how to make it sound the best of what um, – what playback system, I suppose, um, sounds yep. the best. So, uh, and yeah, just also for context. So last night we tried little one by 10 well, one by 10 like a 10-inch with a horn powered speaker. Uh, we tried a uh, like big powered JBL 15-inch and, and a horn sort of guy and then some studio monitors and just sort of to, to hear the difference. Of which, I mean, I've done these sort of tests before. It's been a little while because... For me now, it's mostly about convenience, and if it, it, it like yeah. I rock up to my gigs and I just plug my thing in because the pedal board is very self-contained and I don't have to think about it anymore. But it's kind of an interesting, um, like it's an inter- interesting topic these days because the market is certainly not saturated, but at least there's options now for things other than just like a powered speaker or going completely like guitar cabinet with a flat sort of um, like power amp and all these sort of things. The um, yeah. so I've used. Um, like recently I've got that atomic CLR of yours that I've, I've done some gigs with and that's kind of cool. I actually use it as a foldback speaker quite a lot as well, nice. which just sounds good, good like that. Um, but yeah, the, it's interesting that you've like, you mentioned like a one by 12 and how that might, um, fit into your whole scenario because, you know, you're effectively needing to remove the whole idea of impulse responses at that point, which, yeah. Is a good or a bad thing. I'm like, I'm sort of, I, I don't know. I just, I can feel the, like, my brain working through some problems at the moment. You know, yeah. like, I love IRs because they're so useful. But it is really annoying sometimes, like, just to play back your, um, like, to, to be listening back to your guitar sound in your modeler and just know that it has the curve of a microphone on it. That it's, I kind of... I really struggle with that. Like, it's really necessary because obviously the mic's picked yeah. up the sound. But it's never going to sound like a guitar amp if it's, like, got, like, a frequency response of a an SM57 or a Royal 121 or something, like, superimposed onto it. It's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, how do
1: I make this thing sound like a cab in a room? And the answer is to get a power amp and a guitar cab. Yep. That's it. Like, that is the only thing. Uh, I, and I say to people, you know, I've got loads of students and I've built rigs for people where they're like, okay, I'm coming from a traditional guitar rig, what should I do? And it's like, well, basically think of the fractal, the helix or quad cortex, whatever you're using, that's replacing your pedal board and your amp head. Get a power amp, whether whether you want to do the class D thing, whether you want to do the class AB thing, whether you want to get a tube power amp. Um, I had a session with a guy in New Zealand yesterday, uh, shout out to Pete, and he's got one of the fryettes Chunky boy power amps and the a Recto 4 4x12. The 2.92. Yeah, the 2.90. Yeah, well, it's, yep. I've got one right here
0: as well. So shout
1: out to 2.92 rectifier, straight, oversized cabinet. And was just like, he was like, it's just awesome, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that's, you're not going to get much better than that if you want a modeler that sounds like an amp in a room. Mm-hmm. Having the awesome thing about amps are actually the guitar cabs, right? Once you get into speakers and cabs, you know, we've spoken about this before on here and probably will many other times, you know, the amps kind of provide the texture, but the cabs, that's the, like, experiential thing. The power, um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, if you like that thud and all the, you know, you like your pants flapping in the breeze and especially if you're playing in a band with, you know, say the you're in a trio and the bass player is still using a real amp or you're in a two guitar band and the other guitar player is still using a guitar amp and cab, it just makes sense to also mimic that setup. It's not as compact. It's not as portable, but it's appropriate. Mm. Whereas, you know, if the whole band's on in-ear monitors, it makes total sense to just go straight into the board. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, if you're standing close to the stage, maybe the experience isn't as good. But, you know, if you're playing a big enough room where people want to be at the front of the stage, they want to be at the front of the stage because they want to like, you know, Vibe off the band and kind of you know be stupid. The people who want to listen will be at the back of the gig because they know that's where the PA is going to sound the best anyway. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's yeah, a weird it is, thing. It's interesting. Like we we've done so many gigs.
0: Like more so going back maybe ten excuse me ten years ago, in the old um, the Toddmobile, the old um, Ford oh, yeah. station wagon, and you know three three men, grown men, long hair, very good looking, and we need a drum kit. So, Pearl Rhythm Traveller, we need oh, yeah. something for the bass guitar, something for the um, the uh, the guitar guitar, a PA for vocals. How do you make it all happen? And it's like the, the answer is like, well, okay, you could take two cars or get a trailer, but that stuff's all expensive. We obviously didn't have a trailer. But uh, if you're going to drive like five hours to the middle of nowhere to do a gig- that's yeah. probably going to cost you like three hundred bucks in petrol, and you just like your profit margin just goes way down. So to counteract exactly. that, it's like get the three big boys, the big good-looking boys, in the one car, stack the car. Troy packs it because no one packs a car That's like what Troy does. Troy Naboban. and and you get you get there in one piece. It's just like the practicality of it is more important than the sound of it, which. I know yeah. that's a really shitty thing for people to hear sometimes, but it's really, really important. Like not all the time, it, the gig still works. It just maybe lacks a little bit of the energy of high volume, which also so many situations don't call for that. <laughs> like yeah. not everything. Like if you're playing in like a, I don't know, just like let's say an AC/DC tribute band and you try and do that sort of gig, it's not- that's not going to work. Like- Everybody's on in-ears, everybody's got uh, like uh, modellers and that sort of stuff. It's going to feel a bit weak and a bit lame, but that might equate for like 20% of the gigs that you do. And so like convenience, as much as it sort of sounds shitty, is like equally as important of a consideration, if not more so. Particularly when you do these gigs where you're like, you play your first note and the fucking bar manager comes out and says, it was too loud. It's like you can't hear anything anyway, and now, like, the drummer's playing with rods or brushes because it's all that's acceptable yeah. for
1: venue. So, anyway, I'm ranting. But- No, but it's a thing, man. It's like, you know, the ideal- People love to construct these ideal scenarios that will never exist. So, rather than live in fantasy land, just play, like, play the gig that's in front of you, you know? Yeah. Which a lot of the time, you know, I do- Lots of stuff in stereo on my channel because it sounds great. I probably play a stereo gig once every five, ten gigs, and it's amazing doing it. But
0: <laughs> there's so many places, man. There's so many live sound people that refuse to wire the PA up in stereo. I don't know if people know that or not, but like, yeah, the, it's... like a lot
1: of a lot of PAs are mono. Yeah, and monitors are always mono. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds great. You walk out for sound check with a wireless on and like hear your stereo pitch detune coming out of the PA. Awesome. I did that on uh, the Sunday before last playing on Rotto. It was great, but the monitors were in mono. So, yep. you know, whatever, as long as they were loud, it was fine. But that's that's just part of the equation. And all you do is you just save a version of your preset with all the stereo spread turned down and the pitch detune off, and that's your mono preset. And yep. you say to the sound guy, do you want stereo or mono? And they go, mono, done. Turn it up, play it. So, you're right. And, again, if... If it's the choice between 12 hours in travel and three times the price in travel cost, you know, you end up doing these gigs for like, you know, below minimum wage. Yeah. Which is stupid. Yeah. You know, like, don't do the gig. That's the option. (laughs) Or get them to pay you more and they never want to pay you more. So, don't take the big rig, you know. If the- Look, if the- If the person booking the act wants to facilitate taking the big rig, which they do, you know, for ACDC, that's part of the cost is, you know, Mm -hmm. that's factored into the final price of seeing the band is the fact that Angus has like a dozen marshals that he takes around, you know, Mm I mean, they're like the biggest rock band in the world. So, there's that aspect (laughs) of it. But we're talking about the other end of the scale is, you know, you'll learn very, very quickly that, okay, I'm not going to have that dream tone scenario at the moment. What is going to work best for that situation? So do the job that you've been hired to do. It's um, Yeah,
0: exactly. It's like I've had this discussion with someone recently too of like um, not wanting to like, okay, I'm talking like playing covers, like that's the be all end all, which it certainly isn't. It's just a job that I do. When you are doing that job and someone requests that you play a song, you, you learn the song and you play the song. It's as easy as that. Like, you don't yep. have a hissy fit about, oh, that's not the vibe of this band and a sort of stuff. It's like, man, like, why do the gig at all? You're not there for yeah, you. Exactly. You're there for, like- And it's fine. To point, yeah. If you
1: don't want to do this, don't do the gigs. Yeah. You know, you don't want to deal with that aspect of it. Don't play in a cover band. Yeah.
0: But, like, I just- easy. I, I find that stuff, like, yeah, really strange. Like, again, when you're hired to do it like a job- for the sake of, you know, entertaining people or whatever. So, not, not all, all the music that you do is just about, like, self-gratification. Um, yeah. But I guess, like, to, to bring this background to the the, uh, the topic of the FRFR FR stuff or the or what to, to use at a gig, like, I think, you know, as you've, you've mentioned, you've kind of gone through everything, right? Like, you've tried the FRFR, FR, um, you've tried going through an actual speaker and amp scenario, you've gone through just in-ears. Um, is there really, like a perfect solution that you've discovered so far, or I'm just curious, like in your situation, because with the electric stuff at the moment, you're probably, mine's pretty set and forget, and it's never going to change because of like pure laziness, but you're a little bit more willing at li- in live situations to experiment. So I'm just curious, like what's been, what is still lacking with the setup that you have at the moment, or what has changed in your current setup that has been a step up from like the previous thing that you
1: used? Yeah, that's a good question. And the, Actual reality is, this is a big thing, right? Oh, hey, I did a gig. The question on the internet, question I get. I did a gig and someone said it wasn't the greatest thing they've ever heard in their life. Mm -hmm. There was just something missing. Or I saw a band and they were using modelers. And you know what? Fuck those people. Don't listen to them. (laughs) If it's really that bad, the sound guy will tell you. Mm -hmm. Or- If it's really that bad and the sound guy is really bad, then people aren't, you know, then people, uh, it's going to be pretty self-evident, you know. It's like, number one, do what works. Like, stop overthinking every aspect of your rig. Two, realize that unless you're willing to, Pay another human being to run sound for your band or you're going to build a be-all, end-all, foolproof in-ears rig and take a PA to every gig That it's never going to be perfect, Mm -hmm. you know? That's it. Most of the gigs most people are doing are not perfect. So, there is a good argument to be made. Make your rig as, like, normcore as possible. (laughs) So, (laughs) this is where the play your modeler into a guitar cabinet comes in. It's actually pretty good advice because... You go into a room where they go, oh, yeah, we don't mic guitar amps. You just, you have to turn your amp up. We only mic the vocals. One, stop playing those gigs. (laughs) So basically don't play, for a lot of people, that means don't play gigs Um, or keep playing those gigs, have a guitar cab, turn it up really loud and realize that they're, that's, you know, that's the vibe. It's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's not super slick and professional. It's not an arena. You're just there to have some fun with your mates. That's totally cool as well. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that vibe. It's super fun. Um, Trying to like shoehorn super like arena rock rigs into what you're doing in a pub band that's basically playing for the kick of it. Is kind of missing the point, right? It, it's fun to nerd out about that stuff, but it's also just irrelevant. It's like, you know, people who use in-ears for duo gigs, <laughs> totally fine if you don't mind getting there to the gig early to set up your wireless mic and your in-ears so you can walk around, you know, the um, the local beer and wine festival and <laughs> sing to dogs. That's cool. But like, you know, the extra effort there is sort of on you. It's not contingent on the venue or something else like that or the the sound guy it's it's you know there's a trade-off with all of these solutions so yeah if you're doing your you know your local hardcore night then yeah like the vibe is probably guitar cab um and if you want to use a modeler for that then yeah having a power amp something loud and just realizing that the cabinet's going to shape most of the sound if you're doing gigs where it's maybe volume is an issue, then the FRFR thing makes a lot of sense. Like the having a good sounding FRFR, I think you just have to experience yourself. So I've got a few students who have used different setups. Um, uh, Shout out to Chris, who's probably not listening to this, but Chris, if you're listening to this, when I first started teaching him, he had one of the new Fender Tone Master Deluxe Reverbs Mm -hmm. and he got an FM3 to replace like four or five pedals. Yep. And he was running that rig for a while, and it was awesome. He was like literally tube screamer, boss tuner, boss delay, and there was like a compressor pedal on there or something. And he came around, he's like, these are my pedals. I want these sounds at these settings out of this other box into this amp. Cool. Set it up in an hour. It was awesome. And yeah, you know, the convenience. And I was like, oh, you know, you can organize them into scenes, and here's your solo thing. So that was a really good solution to like replace a pedal board. Mm -hmm. And it's still the the thing is for him, he's coming from a world of playing guitar amps where and fenders in particular. So he's still got that. Oh, when I turn the amp up to six, that's where it sounds best. But I probably have to play it at four for most gigs. Mm-hmm. And if it's too loud, I just like turn the amp around. That's the like the strategy yep. um, for it. And he ended up um, about a year later, he bought one of the like <laughs> the Bunter QSC PA speakers. Oh, yeah. Um, and was just like, okay, well, I want to do this now. What do I need? And it's like, okay, the best solution for him was take your pedalboard preset, place an amp and a cab block at the end of the chain and still run, you know, delay and reverb in front of the amp, just like a regular rig. He still (coughs) runs his rig like that. And it's great, you know, and he's got the, and it's like, if you want to be louder, you turn your PA speaker up. Mm -hmm. You don't turn your FM3 up because you're also sending that to the PA. So you know, uh, effective gain staging. And, you know, we've been back and forth a few times with a few things where it's like that's where you go down the IR rabbit hole and figure out what works for you and, you know, should you leave it wide open, should you cut it, should you have separate kind of sends. But, um, yeah, you know, for (laughs) he's had a few situations where he's like, oh, yeah, the sound guy mic'd my FRFR. (laughs) (laughs) i was like you did explain to him that he could just plug an xlr into the back he's like yeah but he 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 didn't know what i was talking about so i
0: think there's 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 a generation of older school sound people that just don't quite understand that thing yet i sort of understand a speaker like that though like man like only micing the the woofer part of it though is is gonna sound a bit and i
1: feel bad for him because i was like oh dude that really really sucks you know that and he was like, yeah, I was trying to explain to him, but, you know, he wouldn't have any of it. And the other thing that's contingent on this stuff is time, right? You know, you get to a gig an hour beforehand, you will be lucky to have the sound guy want to spend five minutes on your guitar sound. Mm-hmm. So I can see why that happens as well. Again, another argument for use a real guitar cab, yeah, <laughs> which um is it's... I, There's like that contingency of it's foolproof Mm -hmm. and it's what people are used to. So, if you're going to come in with a weird solution, you need to be totally in charge of, you got to understand it, I guess. You know, if you're going to, the the classic thing is like, uh, if you're going to have a super sharp kitchen knife and you're just going to like hold a piece of bread like this and chop it like that. It's a bit of a recipe for disaster, yeah. right? Whereas, like a trained chef with that kitchen knife, that's a that's a nice, complementary union in there. So, um, it's fine as well. Like I'm not, I don't want to just be sitting here shitting on guitar players and shitting on sound guys, but like the all the the explosion of so-called solutions recently has also created a bunch of carry-on problems where people aren't literate enough in what they're actually doing and how to use them. That's totally cool. You know, I I don't think you should expect everyone to know how everything works. It's just the way things have probably always been, right? Where if you're, let's say you go into a blues club with a dual rectifier. (laughs) Well, yeah. Or or you do a blues gig with a Soldano Hot Rod 50 and a PRS, (laughs) that maybe it's not the most appropriate thing. One of the... um, I this happened to me at the Charles on the blues night like six or seven years ago, probably longer. It uh, would have been longer because it was pre fractal. And um, turns out a friend of my dad's who he's known for ages opened up the show and he was great. It was like so he had his act down so well. He was doing like I remember that, yeah. Acoustic blues. It was it was really slick. Um and uh we were having he was he was great about it as well. He was like, oh man, yeah, love the Soldano, love the PRS, like nerding out about gear. He was like, yeah, you know, it's the sort of gig where really all you need to bring is a Strat and like a twin. <laughs> and like, again, I've, I've been saying this to so many people as well, like just common knowledge yep. that you don't have. I was like, yeah, neck pickup on a Strat with like a clean sound would have actually been perfect for this gig because I was just comping ninth chords for like the whole gig. And then I did a solo. Yep don't need my big rock rig for that sort of thing so it's the same thing now with just modeling rigs and the other thing people get tied into is again in my modeler i need the soldano to be the best sound but i found this other amp which is perfect (laughs) and i did a gig with it and everyone said it was the best sound i've ever had how do i make the soldano sound like that and you're like the answer's right in front of you mate (laughs) you use the other thing yeah you know so yeah that I think the, that el- that illusion of choice sometimes plays against people. So, yeah. yeah. The cho- the, back the to choice, my original point. Yeah, the
0: choice in general is so fucked in these units. Like you've got yeah. what, how many amps are in the
1: Axe now? Like 200 and something? More? I mean, they've got- Keep in mind that, you know, you have like a Cameron CCV and there's- one, two, three, four, five, six different modes of it modeled. Mm-hmm. So there's 326 amp models. Well, that's quite a Probably lot. representative of 200 real amps. Yep. More. Have you, you would have gone through everything by now, right? Is there anything you haven't? No, oh, there's probably a few in there. Like, uh, I don't know. What's the Ruby Rocket? I don't think I've. Is that a from? I've probably played it. No, nah, it's a, some, I think it's like a train wrecky oh, soul thing. I've probably played with it before, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there where it's just like, okay, it's fun to play, but man, I sometimes I just want the thing. I did a gig, uh, and all oh, right, okay, so here's a good good example of this. Did a gig at the Aster We were opening for fire. I forget who we were opening for. It's maybe the second gig we did on ears. Oh yeah, and the setup was so we played before it was with living color so we played before living color and there was this band from adelaide who opened the show um and i won't name names but they borrowed cam's kit and they like stood on his kit <laughs> as part of the thing and the drummer broke some of his sticks <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing he was so he he was like the angriest i've ever seen him like and understandably, he had his sticks on stage for him to use and someone's gone on stage and like, ha, ha, yeah, like snapped them and, and thrown them into the audience. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so he was furious and then they were having the stage hand was like, I was like, oh, we're running in is. Can you just give me a mono feed so that I can plug it into our in is mixer and then do the gig? And, you know, that was a pain. You know, there was just like, there was a lot of faffing around in the 20 minutes we had to set up and play. By the time we played, it was one of those like, all right, well, hey, it's nine o'clock and we have 30 minutes, let's just blast it and we can be, I'll delay the being upset about everything <laughs> for 35 minutes. Um Yeah, and I think I was using the, like the Recto model and the Axe 3. It was one of the first gigs I did with the Axe 3. And the, the sound guy was like, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was like, I just struggled a little bit you know, kind of to get enough mid-range out of it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like mental note taken. Did a gig there in 2020, one of the like, you know, benefits for the road crew kind of thing. And same stagehand and monitor engineer and did the gig. I was using the Mark series amp and he was like, oh, I remember you from, uh, you know, however many months ago with, with Living Color. Um, your sound was so much easier to dial in. And I was like, yeah, I'm using a different app in the in the Fractal. So, like, I actually kind of took your advice on board. And the first couple of years I used the Fractal stuff, I'd just say to whoever was running sound, how was it? Mm-hmm. And some of them would say, yeah, totally fine. And I remember one guy being like, oh, yeah, it was really good. I had to, like, pull heaps of 8K out of it. So, you know, I don't know, like, bring your presence control down a little bit or something, it'll be easier. So I was like, you know, it's this iterative process of, like, okay, cool, you know. Most people, most sound guys don't give a shit, which is mm. totally fine. Um, but the ones that do will probably give you some good feedback. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you watch episodes of the Gear podcast, Troy, and you get expert advice from people like Angus Clark saying, turn the high cut down to 5,100 hertz. That's where it works for me. That's so, so, I've been so going low a bit as well. Worried.
0: I tried that last yeah. night. It's um, It sort of works, though. Like, it just, I think it depends on the
1: amp, obviously. But, um, it depends on the amp and the IR, yeah. yeah. But, you know, br- like take it down as low as it sounds good. And sometimes having these like supposed benchmark numbers aren't really benchmarks. They're just like, Oh yeah, I put, put it at eight K and 80 Hertz. Cause I always do that. Um, I mm-hmm. sort of thing with Justin York where he was talking about, you know, he was touring with Paramore for a long time where he would not do any high cuts, mm-hmm. um, for the sort of stuff he was playing, which was mostly like mid game jangly stuff. Um, you know, in their production rehearsals, he was like, yeah, it's that sounded, you know, basically that works the most like an amp mm-hmm. for the sound guy that then they can do it. Um, uh, there was a thread on the Fractal Forum with uh, Chris Baseford, who hopefully we'll have on the podcast at some point yeah. talking about Nickelback's rigs. And it was like, yeah, we don't do any, we don't do anything to the cab block because that's what Front of House is for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Totally. Um, and again, these are bands playing arenas with like salaried members of staff, who that's that's your job like you've outsourced the the guitar sound to somebody else um it's it's certainly not my situation where you know hey can you do this gig you know byopa get there and set up it's like i just literally have to turn a knob up so spending time at home that's how i outsource that process yep
0: no i'm i'm with you man i should have brought my pedal board today i actually I almost did because I've got to I've got to tweak some more sounds. I think I'm going to play some gigs with this strat instead of my Isbell Tele just for the next nice. few weeks see if I like it. But anyway, I just didn't and because I probably need to do some other work, unfortunately, yeah, instead of just play guitar that. and talk to you all day. So, but anyway, Uncle Liam. Well, that was fun. Like I love a good rant well, session, mate.
1: Yeah, yeah. What what I will say is, with the FRFR stuff, I think you get what you pay for,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's always a bit of a paradox. To me, where someone's like, oh, I wanted the best thing. I wanted the most expensive modeler or the best featured model or whatever that one is. What's the cheapest FRFR I can get? Yep. And you're like, well, a plastic Beringer speaker, you know, it'll make things louder. It might not necessarily be pleasant. So, if you're budgeting for these things, maybe think, example, something like the Helix. Mm-hmm. Do I get the big Helix that does everything and not spend as much money on a power amp and cab, whether it's a real guitar amp or if it's an FRFR, or do I just get an HX stomp and if I need some extra stuff, maybe like a tube screamer and a reverb pedal, and then spend a bit more money on the actual thing that's making things louder, that might be a better way to spend your money. Yeah. But that's sort of like, that happens at every stage.
0: It's like, oh, I have yeah. my like $500 Epiphone Les Paul copy going into my like $6,000 Friedman. Um, or yeah. I have my, you know, $8,000 Sir plugged into my Boss Katana. Like you can, so it's just, it's funny. People, because we all have our things, right? Like I, I kind of like everything. Um, yeah. And, you know, I still fucking love amps. Like with modelers to me are just a tool to for me to do my job. I cannot take any of these things to do a duo gig. Like in a fucking like bar or something like that. It's not going to. So here's a
1: question for you, Troy. You're in a situation where you're touring. Let's say you know you join Nickelback. Yep. Um. And what do you use as a rig? Are you taking out your couple of? (laughs) Are you just buying a Friedman and a Badlander, putting them in a rack with a bunch of toys, and that's going to be your rig? Do you know what? I don't know if I was.
0: If I was specifically joining Nickelback and I was singing as well, if I was Chad Kroger in Nickelback, I'm taking okay. an Axe-Fx probably. Right. And I'm just Cuz then it's just Yeah, cuz like uh, there might be other sounds that are needed but also like I just want to like play guitar. Um even though I I was saying this to someone last night, it's like I have I've had an Axe-8 for like 6 years with two patches that I use. And I made the patch, the first patch in 2017, the second patch in 2019. And I just go between the two. And it allows me to go do my job. You know what I mean? It's like, it's as easy as that. And because if I've got to sing, I'm not like tap dancing on pedals anyway. I don't, I just need a clean sound and a dirty sound. My clean sound is the dirty sound with the volume roll back on the guitar. And then I've got a solo sound with some more delay and stuff on it, like the end.
1: Okay. So what if you're not Chad? What if you're Ryan Peake?
0: Maybe... I look, honestly, I, I have not ever seen them in concert. So maybe if there's a few more sounds, like, look, if I had budget, I'd probably take an amp because amps are fun and I don't have to yeah. like plug them in. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like if it's if you're all on is it, just fucking use like your axe effects, it doesn't really yeah. matter.
1: Yeah, well, that that kind of sums it all up. Isn't it funny? There's this like bell curve of usability for cabs where it's like if you're if you if if your if volume is no issue, then you're playing the loudest gig ever. Then your amp's not going to be loud enough in an arena, and you're going to mic it in an ISO box. So why not just, you know, uh, why not use a modeller? Or I saw a sort of thing like the Trivium rig rundown where they're using fifty-one fifty stealths mm-hmm. with torpedoes. So they're like, right. yeah, we've got the amps, and the amps drive cabs on stage basically because we like it. But then front of house gets the IR loaded down sound. Right. It's a, Pretty cool compromise yeah. but then if you're playing super small venues where volume's really important also having a model is probably a good solution because it's very easy to control the volume and you know everything can be scaled it's that like you know in betweeny kind of thing where you're probably playing through a slightly crappy mono pa and they might not want to mic the guitar mm-hmm. amp so that's and that's that's probably where most people are getting their kicks as well so that's Mm. where the maybe you know in the words of Nuno Betancourt and Gary (laughs) Sharon a square shouldn't fit where a circle should be (laughs) well you know what mate that's
0: probably a good as place as good a place as any to wrap the episode up today uh it's been fun so uh yeah we'll just should we leave it there what do you reckon
1: yeah, thanks to our wholehearted supporters and everybody. Uh, <laughs> let us know in the comments what you're using. Like are you, uh, you know, ride or die guitar cab and amp heads or are you loving their is Modeler's, FRFR route? We're always curious to hear what people are actually using rather than just uh, mindlessly speculating Absolutely. about it. And if you don't like what you see here, get the funk out.